0: We are in the last week of a series within a series. We've been studying uh, some moments in Jesus' teaching when he challenges his listeners, challenges us to to level up, to take things to a new level. And uh, we've been talking about prayer. We've talked about, uh, last week we talked about generosity. And you know what, one of the things I love about last week, Paul Richardson, I don't know if you know this or not, he talked about money and giving, but you didn't even know it was happening. All right. Didn't that awesome? Especially you did a great job by the way. And you you walk out going, I think he talked about money, but I'm not quite sure. I was inspired. Especially if you brought a guest. You know, you brought a guest you're like, oh no, they're talking about money. And you're like, I don't think we talked about money, but I think we did. So it was a great, great job this last week, Paul. But one of one of the most intriguing, uh, mysterious, misunderstood, and yet powerful resources of the Christian faith is the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. I grew up in a in a church where the Holy Spirit was known as the Holy Ghost. Anybody else grow up in that church? If, you, if, you, if your pastor used the King James and you had the King James, uh, you, you knew the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And So the Holy Ghost was kind of this shadowy figure of the Trinity that we heard about, but, but we were kind of encouraged to keep the Holy Ghost at arm's length. We didn't want to be like those charismatics who got all happy in and, and church and you know went around waving flags and started speaking in different languages. That, that was not good in the church I grew up in. So unfortunately... Um, even though I was taught the Holy Spirit as like a doctrine, I had knowledge about the Holy Spirit. I missed out on, on really learning about the Holy Spirit as a person. There was a part of the Trinity of God that that God wanted me to discover and embrace and enjoy, but it just was, it it honestly kind of weirded me out a little bit. Plus I had this mindset about the Holy Spirit that was kind of like this, you know, I have Jesus. So why do I need a ghost? Ghosts freaked me out anyways when I was younger. So I, I've got Jesus, I, the ghost I'm going to keep out here. but And I knew, listen, I knew that I had received the Holy Spirit. I was taught that when I, when I received salvation. That's called the indwelling of the Spirit. But intimacy with the Spirit was not something that we talked about a lot. Because again, it, it might produce some kind of weird behavior. And unfortunately, I believe that that mindset really hindered me during my high school years and college years and into my young adult days. And it wasn't until the early 90s that I began to discover that the Holy Spirit, um, from a personal level, wanted to have a relationship with me and wanted me to, to really under, understand what it, was, what it was like to, to live the Spirit filled life. And once I begin to experience that and enjoy that, I begin to enjoy a victory in my life that I hadn't experienced before. I begin to experience peace and joy that I didn't even know existed. I begin to walk in a, in a power that I, that I had never had before. And I wanna tell you something, Westridge, that's my prayer for you today. Not in a weird way, okay? My prayer for you today is that you will not only learn more about the Holy Spirit, that you'll walk out of here with some knowledge, maybe that you didn't have before, but that this understanding will help you to experience a peace and a contentment and a joy and a power in your life that maybe you didn't even know existed. And my hope is that you understand how the Holy Spirit wants to relate with you and that your intimacy with God the Father will go to new levels, that you'll understand Jesus better through the power of the Holy Spirit that you'll understand and, and have a victory over sin that you've never experienced before. If you're here today and maybe you're struggling with things like, a, like apathy or there's a staleness in your, in your spirit, spiritual life, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you in such a way that your spiritual life will catch fire and that you will level up to a place you've never been before spiritually. Okay, That's what I've been praying for you this week, Westridge. I want you to know that. Well, in John chapter 14, and that's where I want you to turn in your Bibles today, if you haven't, um, if you're not there yet, John John chapter 14, John chapter 15, we're going to be in both of those. John chapter 14, Jesus is sitting around the table and he's having a meal with his disciples and we know that meal to be uh, called the the Last Supper. We actually just observed uh, that moment, the Last Supper communion, uh, a remembrance of that time. We just did that a few moments ago. And Jesus, as he's sitting there talking to his disciples, he makes a huge announcement to, to these guys who've been now with him for about three and a half years. He tells them that he was going to be leaving them. He was going to be leaving the earth. And that statement, I want you to know, created all kinds of questions, created a lot of anxiety and confusion in these guys. Because up until then, I mean, the disciples were totally dependent upon the strength and the security of Jesus's presence. Remember, they left pretty much everything to follow him. And all of their security was found in being with Jesus. And so the thought of living life without his physical presence was more than they could handle. And so knowing this, knowing that their fears and insecurities were overwhelming them at that moment, Jesus tells them that he is going to ask the Father, verse 16, he's going to ask the Father to give them another helper who would be with them forever. In other words, Jesus says, I'm going to send someone else in my place who is going to be a helper. Now, what does that mean? Well, I want to tell you what it could mean for you this morning. You may be here today and you are grieving the loss of a loved one. And right now, the Holy Spirit is ministering to you, bringing comfort to your life, helping you as you grieve. You may be going through a time of anxiety in your life or the time where everything is just kind of unsettled. And right now, as you're sitting here, the Holy Spirit may be just just ministering to you, pouring peace into your life, bringing contentment in the midst of the storm that you're facing. You might be experiencing fear right now fears overwhelmed you. You're looking at the future and, and, and fears just gripped you. You're looking at maybe sending your kids to college or, you know, out into the, the big, scary world out there. And maybe as you rely on God, as you, as you're hanging out this morning and spending time with Jesus, the Holy Spirit's ministering to you and, and replacing your fear with a piece that the Bible calls a peace that re- passes all understanding. All right. You may be here today and you're just, you're struggling spiritually, I mean, let's be honest, you're just, your, your spiritual life is dry, it's stale, it's just barren, it's just like everything's just kind of dried up, and right now the Holy Spirit may be just pulling you back and saying, listen, I want to I bring you back to a place where your spiritual life is vibrant again, where you're experiencing victory and power and the joy that God really wants from you. Some of you here today, honestly, and you're in sin, and the Holy Spirit's convicting you of that, all right? Some of you here today, and you, you're not a Christian, You've never received God's free gift of salvation. And what the Holy Spirit's doing for you is, is letting you know that Jesus died for you and wants to have a relationship with you. And that apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. All right? You have nothing. And so the Holy Spirit is pulling you into this relationship, offering you a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Matter of fact, the Jesus tells them actually tells them that whoever believes in him will not only do the works that he has been doing, but he will actually do even greater works. Now, you talk about creating some confusion, you talk about now creating some questions. How in the world were the disciples gonna make it in this first century when this was written that was already so hostile to anyone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And how in the world would they do greater things because he was leaving? That didn't even make sense to them. And so in John chapter 15... Jesus lays it out for him. He says, guys, I'm going to tell you how how you're going to do it. He gives them a picture of how this whole thing was going to work after he was gone. He basically changes how he would relate to them from this point on. And in the same time, he gives us instructions on how we're to relate to Jesus this day. And here in verse 1, we're going to read. It says, I'm the true vine, Jesus says, and my father is the vine dresser. In other words, he's the gardener. I'm the vine, you're the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now I've got to be honest with you. It took me a lot of years to really get my hands around this passage, but it's clear that there are three things amongst many things, but three things that really jump off the pages at me here this morning. First of all is this, Jesus wants to have a growing intimate relationship with you. Think about that. Jesus Christ, the king of the universe, the king of glory, he wants to have a personal, growing, intimate relationship with you. That's good news. Second is this. Jesus expects his followers to bear spiritual fruit in their lives. Jesus expects our lives to be full of love and joy and peace and contentment and gentleness, etc. That's what he expects from us. That's what he wants from us. Now, let me say this. If you are here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're not a Christian, I want you to know you get a pass on what Jesus is requiring here in, the, in these verses, all right? Jesus is talking about his children. He's talking about those who are in the family of God. So, but for those of you who are, who are Christ followers, I have news for you, all right? What Jesus is calling us to do in this passage is impossible. It's actually impossible. It's not just hard. It's not just difficult. It's not just a struggle. It is impossible, <laughs> that doesn't sound very encouraging, doesn't it? Does it? But actually, it's really good news. It's really good news for those of you that are here today, and you feel like your spiritual life is barren and it's dry. You feel like something is wrong with you spiritually. Let me tell you that the reason why you may be struggling here this morning is because you're in temp- you're attempting the impossible. Look at this passage. Jesus gives us incredible practical image and a practical image of how things were going to work after he was gone. And here's the thing: if you're into plants, if you're into flowers, if you're into gardening, you'll love this. He says, I'm the vine. My father, he's a vine dresser. He's a gardener. And we, us, we are branches. And we're joined together, but we're not the same. The thing that connects us is what comes from the vine and nourishes the branch. In a tree, what is that called? Sap. Sap flows through the vine and it nourishes the branches. The sap flows through that vine into the branch. The branch actually draws its very life from the vine. In other words, we now draw our life from the Holy Spirit that comes from Jesus Christ. Now, there's a key, passage, there's a key word in this passage that you cannot miss. If you miss this, you're going to miss what Jesus is saying. It's the word abide. That's the key word in this passage, abide. Abide actually means to stay or to dwell. If you have a a new international version Bible, you'll see the word remain. It's the word abide. Jesus says, if you want power in your life, if you want fruit in your life, if you wanna get out of this barren, dry, stale, thirsty state that you're living in, abide in me, abide in me. In other words, stay connected to me. Stay completely dependent on me. The branch has to stay connected to the vine. It must, it must draw its life source from the vine. Don't And Jesus says, don't try to go at it alone without me empowering you. Because if you try to do that, you will find that it's impossible. Jesus actually says, without me, you can do nothing. Now, how many of you know that nothing actually means nothing? Nada, zero, zilch. In other words, no one can live the victorious, abundant Christian life and accomplish all that God has for you on this earth, all that Jesus has called us to do. You can't do it apart from Christ. If you try it, you're going to dry up and you're going to wither away. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about trying to live the Christian life in your own strength. To abide in Christ is to draw upon his life. You say, how do I do that? Well, the life of the vine is made available to the branch by the sap that flows into the branch. The life of Jesus is available to us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you can grab hold of that truth, it will be the biggest discovery you've ever made in your life because you're gonna realize that a branch a branch grows not by self-effort, not by trying harder, not by beating itself up, by, by simply abiding and staying connected to the vine. In other words, when you just, when you hang out with Jesus, when you abide in Jesus, you get filled up with the Holy Spirit. When you pursue Jesus, you get filled up with the Holy Spirit. We don't, listen, we don't pursue the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Bible's calling us to do. We pursue Jesus. And as we pursue Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowers and engages our lives. Matter of fact, the whole, one of the, one of the big job descriptions for the Holy Spirit is to put the spotlight on Jesus, not the Holy Spirit. You understand that? The very power of God fills our lives through the Holy Spirit as we hang out, remain, stay, dwell, abide in Jesus. Now, let me see if I can give you this illustration um, of what it's like to live the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. I was, uh, I, I'm kind of a truck guy, I drive a truck, but, but here's the honest truth. If I could drive any car, any car, truck, whatever it would be, all right, I would get the 2018 Chevrolet Corvette Z06 Anybody seen one of these things? They, they call it the supercar Seriously, alright I mean, think about it. I was looking online at this car, right 6.2 liter engine V8 650 horses 650 pounds of max torque I, I don't even know what that means But I like it Alright <laughs> zero to 60 and 2.95, they call it the supercar. And here's what I would do. I, I would get a yellow one and I would fly up on Highway 92 and people go, there's that crazy pastor in that yellow Corvette. <laughs> I'm not sure there's another car that looks that good in yellow than a Corvette, right? I mean, seriously, is there a, there's a Corvette, I think right out that window right there. I wanna drive that, all right. <laughs> but imagine tomorrow, imagine tomorrow that I wake up and all of a sudden, Hardy Chevrolet, all right, calls me on the phone. And says, hey, Brian, I want you to know, first of all, we love you and we need you. But then we, we want to we give you a brand new Corvette. And I'm like, really? The 2018 supercar? Yeah, come on over and get it. It's yours. You can pick out a red one, a black one, or a yellow one. I want the yellow one. So I go over there, okay? And I walk in there and they give me, you know, they give me the keys and they point at it. And I said, that's your car right there. I'm like, are you serious? Yes, and so I look over, I go around the car and I'm checking it out, I'm kicking the tires and I open it up and I sit in there and I smell that, that new Corvette smell and I put the keys in the ignition and I get out of the car and I get behind that car and I just start pushing it all over the parking lot. I mean, I get it out on a 120 and I'm pushing it. People are honking, going, what's wrong with you? I'm pushing that car and I'm just smiling. I'm pushing that car as fast as I can. See, I have the car. All the power that car has to offer is at my disposal. The owner has said it is yours, not just for a day, but for a lifetime. But I choose not to take advantage of all that car has to offer because I'd rather try to power that vehicle in my own strength. Doesn't that sound like a waste? That's a waste, isn't it? A waste of a perfectly good, powerful car. And that's my fear for some of you today. You see, when we receive salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside us. And as we choose to abide and walk and pursue Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us with an unlimited, never ending, overflowing source of life. But when we power our lives by ourselves, we miss out on this. We miss out on all that God has for us. Jesus said, when I leave, because I'm not here, you're you're gonna do even greater things. Now, what does that life look like? What what does it really look like to live the spirit-filled life? It might be a little different than what some of you thought. First of all, you're going to experience personal victory over the issues of life. God never intended for his children to live a life characterized by defeat. He doesn't expect you to live with defeat in your thought life, in your emotions, in your attitudes, in your self-control or your faith. He paid way too high a price to allow you into the family of God to constantly watch your life fall apart. To just to simply just crawl by. That's why he came up with an incredible plan to rescue you from yourself, which includes a very important key player, the Holy Spirit. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he wrote a letter to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 5, he says Those of you who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those of you who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace. In other words, as a believer, you have been made victorious not only over death but over sin. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to sin anymore. But it simply means that we don't have to be trapped by its lure, trapped by its power. We've been given everything we need to overcome, all of the issues that life may bring us, all of the sin that may be thrown our way. He says in verse verse 9, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're you're, You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. In other words, the closer I stay to Jesus, the more I abide in him, the more I will feel the presence of the Holy Spirit carrying me and guiding me and giving me me victory over the issues of life. The second characteristic of a spirit-filled life is is power to live a purpose-filled life. Apostle Paul, in writing to the, the the church of galatia in galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me see the apostle paul understood that it was christ through the power of the holy spirit that gave him the courage and the strength to live and to fulfill his life's purpose of reaching the gentiles with the message of jesus christ he understood that he was simply a branch that was totally reliant on the sap that came from his connection to the true vine. I see so many people who simply just go through life with this mentality to just get by spiritually. They walk through the door, a Sunday morning church, wherever that may be. They, put a, they, they punch their hour or two on the spiritual time card and then they, they walk out satisfied, you know, like, okay, I think I got it for the rest of the week. And then Monday through Saturday, they try to do it in their own power. And if you talk to them, you'll find that they feel like they have no purpose, no meaning to life. There's no energy, there's no vibrancy that gets them out of bed in the morning because there's no purpose or mission that drives their lives. See, when you're abiding, when you're abiding in Christ and when you are closely connected to to the vine, not only is the spirit of God gonna gonna reveal an amazing purpose for your life, but he's gonna give you all the energy you need, the, the strength you need to live it out. Right now, part of God's purpose for my life is to stand up here on Sunday morning and to give God's word to you. Just preach. And I love it. I love communicating God's word. But I want to tell you something. There are many Mondays when I will sit down and I will try to write an outline and then fill it in after that, you know. And my mind just will be completely in a fog. Just completely in a fog. Sometimes it's being tired from Sunday. Sometimes it's just things going on or whatever's, you know, happening in the church or happening in my family or whatever. and, and, I've been doing this long enough. I know what I have to do, okay? I know what I have to do. I have to push myself away from my computer. I have to go spend time with Jesus. I have to worship him. I have to get back in his presence. I have to remind myself of who I am in him alone. And I confess to him, Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing. And so fill me. Empty me of me, empty me of all the troubles, empty me of all of the things that are, that's just clouding my mind right now and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then I'll go back to my computer and it's like the fog's gone. I, I can't explain it. Outside of knowing that it's the Holy Spirit leading me and telling me, inspiring me, moving me to, to tell me how to explain God's word to you. Telling me what to say. And I want you to know that same power, that same clarity is available for you today and every day. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to live out God's purpose and his plans for our lives. It doesn't have to be writing a sermon. It could be raising kids. It could be uh, having strength in the workplace or having strength in the classroom. It could be, you know, as you engage your neighbors at the pool or at the ball field, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to engage what God has called us to do today. And then here's the third thing a change of behavior. One of the most amazing things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives as we abide in Christ is produce a change inside of us, a change inside of us. Sometimes it's like that. Oftentimes it's just over time. Now, a moment ago, I mentioned fruit. Jesus wants us to bear spiritual fruit in our lives. Now, I want you to understand this. As a branch, it is not your job to produce spiritual fruit. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. In verse five, five again, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. According to Jesus now, our job is to simply, simply stay connected to the vine so that the Holy Spirit can flow out of our lives. In other words, we have been called to be fruit bearers, not fruit producers. You get that? So many of us, we try to produce love. We try to produce joy. We try to produce gentleness and it just falls on the ground. But when we bear fruit because the Holy Spirit flowing through us, that's fruit that remains right there. And what kind of fruit are you talking about here? We've got apples. What's going on here, Brian? No, Galatians chapter five, verse 22. Paul says, the fruit that exemplifies the, the spirit-filled life is a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there is no law. In other words, no one would ever make a law to prohibit such behavior. Fear, uh, fruit is a public testimony of a believer's sensitivity and dependence on the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not just one sign that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. It is the sign. It's the sign. When you walk around somebody or you're around somebody who's truly walking in the Spirit, you know it because they radiate joy. There's, there, there, there's, there's no put on, there's no facade. They don't have to force it it's just who they are. They're defined by love. It just flows out of their life. They make, they make you feel love when you, when, when you're around them. They don't have any problem loving people of different skin color, different backgrounds, different, you know, different nationalities. It's just, there's a love that's inside of them that comes from the spirit of God that flows through them. And you just know it. Spirit-filled people make their biggest impressions during troubled times. Their sensitivity to the spirit helps them to know what to say at the right moment. They're able to bring peace and calm to a a tough situation because peace and calm flows through their lives. You've been around somebody before that when you're with them, their very presence just brings peace to the room. I mean, they just have the ability to walk into a tough situation and just bring calm. I mean, they just know what to say, just their mannerisms. My dad was like that. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I mean, you, you, I've had so many of you who have been in this church for a, lot, a long time and maybe you went to meet with him for counseling back in the early 2000s or maybe you, went, you know, took your marriage before him for counseling. And I remember I'd, my office was, ne- was, was, was next door to his and I'd hear some of you coming in just screaming, yelling, getting all up, you know. And the next thing you know, just calm. And he would do that for me. I'd, just, I'd walk in and go, dad, you got, you're not gonna believe what's happening right now. You're not gonna believe what I'm going through. And he would go, God's got this. You're good. It's not too big for Jesus. You're okay. And it was like, just calm. He said, how does, how does that happen? Not my dad. It's the Holy Spirit working through my dad. It was the Holy Spirit flowing through his life. That genuine love, concern, and care was the result of a spirit-filled life. Now, in the early 90s, I got a hold of a book that really impacted me when it came to the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Guy, uh, Charles Stanley, one of my favorite pastors, preachers, and he wrote a book called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. And he gives us a description of what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. I want you to look at the screen. It talks about a love for those that do not love in return. Talk about a joy in the midst of painful circumstances. Peace when something you weren't counting on doesn't come through. Patience when things aren't going fast enough for you. Kindness towards those that treat you unkindly. Goodness towards those that have been intentionally insensitive to you. Faithfulness when your friends have proved to be unfaithful. Gentleness towards those who have handled you roughly. Self-control in the midst of intense temptation. That's spiritual fruit. That's what it does. Spirit-filled people are not perfect people. They're not isolated from what's going on around them. They're not without their faults. They have occasional mess-ups and and, and blow-ups just like everyone else. They live in the midst of daily temptations just like all of us do, but what sets them apart from everyone else is is their response. How do they respond to tough things? How do, they respond, how do they respond to, to sin and different things? When, when circumstances take a spirit-filled abider down for the count, they may have some downtime, but they don't, stand, they don't stay down there very long because they're able to focus in on the big picture and acknowledge that their lives are in God's hands and through the peace found in abiding in Christ, they're able to find their hope and their strength to journey on. When a spirit-filled person is done wrong, they experience hurt and frustration like everyone else, but they don't live in a world of resentment and bitterness. They're able to look at the world through the, through the eyes of Christ because Jesus Christ is living his life out through them. Now, I know some of you are thinking, all right, Brian, tell me how to get here. I, I've heard all I can hear about it. Tell me how to get there because, because I wanna know how to do this every single day, not just on Sunday morning when I'm sitting here in church. I wanna know that tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, I wanna know how to, how to live the spirit-filled life. Well, the best way I can tell you, and just through years of walking with Christ and looking in his word, I think it boils down to two things. Two essentials to living a spirit-filled life. Let's call this our level-up plan for walking with Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. Now, before I tell you this, okay, I wanna tell you that what I'm about to say to you is not for the weak-hearted. What I'm about to tell you separates those who abide in Jesus from those people who try to do life in their own strength, who try to push the Corvette around in their own power. And here it is. First of all, total dependence, total dependence, living the spirit filled life and learning to abide in Christ begins the moment. We are absolutely and thoroughly convinced that we can do nothing apart from the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. It begins at the moment when we have an overwhelming, overwhelming realization that we are absolutely hopeless and helpless apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit. And see, here's the thing, until that truth completely grips the core of who we are, we are never gonna experience the full-blown power of the Spirit because we'll always be trying to do something for God in our own strength, always trying to tackle God in our own power. Think of how many days we live without ever giving the Holy Spirit any thought. We have our checklist of things that we're, we're supposed to do every day to make us a good Christian. This is kind of like the checklist I grew up with. You know, don't lie, don't steal. Love your neighbor if, if they're like you. Don't lust or commit adultery, those things. We, and we go through each day doing the best we can, checking the list off, pleased with our list or not pleased, whatever. But, but, but we forget where the source of strength to live for God really comes from. And what I've learned is that God has a way of getting to us to the place where we have no one else, nowhere else to turn but Jesus. For some of us, he knows that we have to come to the end of ourselves before we'll throw in the towel and allow ourselves to be totally dependent upon him. So the first one is total dependence. The second one is total surrender. Dependence and surrender, they go hand in hand because you can't fully surrender your will to God unless you're convinced that you're in a helpless situation, that you're in a hopeless situation. As long as we see a way out, we're most likely going to take it. As long as we have, we have some of our strength left to rely on, we're going to turn to it. Now, I know some of you may be thinking right now, okay, I don't know if I like the sound of this. Brand. I don't know if I like the whole total dependence, total surrender thing. Because I kind of like being in charge of my own life. I actually like calling, you know, I like calling the shots. I like independence. We live in an America. I like independence. Dependence and surrender. I know for some of you, sound like wimpy stuff. As a matter of fact, some of those fruit words, you're going, man, that just sounds wimpy to me. Let me ask you if you can identify with any of these words. Hateful, discouraged, depressed, stressed, impatient, rude, insensitive, backstabbing, rough around the edges, and controlled by passions. Isn't that, that's pretty attractive, isn't it? I mean, think about that. I mean, if you owned a business, I mean, you, you would not hire someone with those characteristics, I'll hire you. You You're full of backstabbing, hateful person. I want you on my team. If if, if your daughter brought home a guy that was described by some of those words, you would not let her marry him, would you? No. And yet those words represent the exact opposite of joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And when you think about those words for a moment, you realize those are all relational by nature, aren't they? That means they make a person more attractive and more joyful to be around. They make for better marriages. They make for better work relationships. They make for better parent child relationships. And when you think about that, you think, you know what? I can't lose here, can I? No. No. You can't lose here. And it all comes from pursuing and hanging out and being in the presence and abiding with Jesus. So, what is it this morning? What is it today? that's keeping you from being totally dependent and totally surrendered? What is hindering you from experiencing all that God has for you? Listen, don't be fooled. I love you guys. I love you so much. As much as you would like to think you are in control of your life, you are not. I mean, we like to walk around going, I'm in control. No, you're not. God's always the one that's in control. So why not be dependent and totally surrendered? to the one who is truly in control, the one who created everything out there and inside here and is holding it all in his hands today. Think about it. You you cannot go wrong here. It's the beginning of a life of victory, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of victory, a life of power. Truly living a life that abides in Jesus. Where does it begin? It begins at the moment of total dependence and total, total surrender. I want you to bow your head for just a moment here today. There's moments when, when I come before the Lord and I think about those two things, total dependence and total surrender, that I, I will just hold my hands out in front of the Lord and I'll turn them upside down. And I will say, Lord, empty me of me today. So all that I have left is you. Empty me of, of my need to be in charge, my need to be in control so that all that's left is Jesus. Because I can't go wrong, can I? No. There's times when I'll literally lift my hands up in surrender and I'll say, Lord, I give up. You brought me to the end of myself. I have nowhere else to turn. And now I'm in a good place because I'm emptied of me and I'm surrendered to you. And now, now you can do business in my life. Now you can give me power over the issues of life. Now you can help me to live out what you've called me to do, why you put me on this earth. Now you can produce the change inside of me that truly makes a difference. That truly allows me to live how you've called me to live. So total dependence, total surrender. Father, would you help us, help us today to come to the end of ourselves, to be filled up with you so that the Holy Spirit truly has control of our lives and has freedom to live his life out through us. So that not only do we walk through life with victory and power and joy and all of those things you promise, but Lord, that we accomplish what you put us on earth to do, what you call us to do in your, in your word. Help us not to miss it, Lord. Help us not to live our days wasting our time, thinking we're in control, grabbing our hands around everything that we think we own or think that we, we can control or whatever. Lord, I just pray today for this church, these people that you love and I love, Lord, that we would get to a place of total dependence and total surrender, truly experiencing the, spirit, the, the spirit-filled life. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus to be your personal savior, listen, the Holy Spirit's drawing you in. If you feel something inside of you that you've never felt before, that is the Holy Spirit of God convicting you of your need for Jesus, convicting you of your sin right now, convicting you of the fact that that you can't make it through this life or the next life without Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit inviting you into a relationship. vine through the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, be part of the tree. I'm going to graft you in. I want you to be one of my branches. I'm going to change your life. If you've never done that before, I want you to pray with me. Father, at this very moment, in the best way I know how, is the Holy Spirit's drawing me to you. I confess my need for Jesus. What Jesus Christ did for me on the cross was enough to save me of my sin. And so I put all of my trust and all of my faith no longer in me. I'm tired of trying to push through life on my own. I put it all on Jesus and I accept what Jesus has done for me and I receive his gift of salvation through faith by grace. I'm sorry for thinking otherwise that I could do it on my own and I receive salvation into my life today. Thank you. With head still bowed, if you just prayed that, Would you get your Get Connected card out, take it, fill it out, bring it up to the front over here or take it to the help center. We wanna walk with you into the next step of being a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ.